Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So there are five kinds of fur parents according to Sparkle LA, a blogger. So whether you're a dog person or a cat person or any other type of pet person, you'll more than likely identify with one of these five types. So let me share them. Okay, so the first is the breed soulmate. This fur parent is committed to a certain breed, usually dachshund, beagles, and Yorkies and dogs, Siamese, Maine Coons, and Sphinxes and cats. And the breed soulmate may have other pets, but they pretty much stay true to their favorite breed. And I love this. They have every coffee mug, key ring, sticker, including a bumper sticker or car ornament for the back window. The collector's item t-shirt, the welcome mat or sign, several artworks, and perhaps even a scatter cushion or ornament or two dedicated to this breed. Somewhere written on something are, are phrases like Yorkies for life. All right, second one. Ooh, the Cruella de Villiers. And if you haven't seen the new movie Cruella, it's a must watch. And in it, actually, Cruella loves animals. At least the new Cruella. Okay, so the Cruella de Villiers, they are the type of pet owners that don't mind leaving their dog or cat in the dark. Food bowl empty while they enjoy their lives. They usually don't really bother to make arrangements for their fur babies when they go on holiday and therefore are abhorred by the neighbors. Um, I'm going to like skip the rest of this because I just do not even connect with this fur parent at all. Uh, Okay, the third one, the collectors. The collectors, though, however, can be in a slippery slope between good and not so good. The collectors have over five animals, all of whom are rescues or showed up. The rescues may vary between dogs and cats, sometimes rabbits and other animals. Besides owning at least five fur babies, they often foster several for a shelter or until they can be rehomed, which hardly ever happens. But there's a fine line between good and bad. Good is the house is brimming with fur kids where you look and everywhere there is like a wagging tail or grooming queen, all fat, healthy, and with all vax up to date. Um, Bad, the home is over capacity, droppings, vomit, and stuff is found all over the house. The litter box ratio is unmentionable. Yeah, I don't know that I connect with that one either. Okay, let's go to number four. On the bandwagons, have a pet or two, not ever really more. The on the bandwagons have a dog or two, possibly a cat that is hardly ever home. It's not that these fur parents don't particularly like or dislike animals. They just own because everyone owns a pet and the pets generally sleep outside but are in goodish condition. So number five, the fur parents and the fur grandparents. Okay, for this type of owner, there is no difference between humans and the fur kids in the home. Beds are for the fur kids. The humans lie in the rest of the available space. And if there is a bit of blanket left, there is no space that is out of bounds for the fur babies and no object they aren't allowed to choose, scratch, lie on, or eat unless it is bad for them like grapes and raisins or chocolate. These types of owners speak to their furry halves, yes, 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 I know you are hungry, and can tell with one look whether their babies are naughty, mischievous, angry, self-righteous, upset, proud, greedy, or jealous. They will hire professional photographers to take family portraits. In fact, the fur kids only eat the top of the range vet-approved gourmet food. You're going to learn more which foods today to buy, and a whole range of gourmet wet food. Fur parents seem to sniffle out other fur parents and talk about their babies. All right, so which one are you, listeners? Okay, I am without a doubt in my mind that last category. And yes, I am both a fur parent and a fur grandparent too. 
So now let's get to our show. Now, if you're anything like me or my family, you saw this time working at home these last two years as a silver lining, right? Particularly from the perspective of having a far greater time to spend with your family members, but particularly your fur babies. I have three dogs. I have Nelly, a nine-year-old, 65-pound Portuguese water dog, Sugar, a five-year-old, 10-pound Havanese, and my grand dog, Bean, a nine-month, 12-pound micro golden doodle. And as we discussed last week about how to better parent our human children through this crazy period, I would argue the challenges in navigating this inevitable transition back into hybrid, you know, back into the workplace, the office, will be the utmost of challenge and particularly for our fur babies. Fear not. We have invited a scientist and two fur parents to share their experiences and advice in helping you manage this change. I'm Sarah Alter, your host for Advancing All Women and the CEO radio show and podcast, and proudly the president and CEO of the Network of Executive Women. And I am joined today by three phenomenal fur parents. First and foremost, we have Dr. Annie Valeska, PhD, senior scientist at Perina. And I have to give major props to Dr. Annie. She's on vacation. Uh, Brad Bedwell, Senior Merchandising Director for Pets at Walmart. And then Lily Volker, Associate Brand Manager, Marketing for PepsiCo, the Quaker Brands. So welcome. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am so glad you're here. Uh, hey, let's kick it off. So why are you with me today? You know, why is this topic so important to you? And Dr. Annie, I want to start with you. Sure. Um, so first and foremost, I am a pet parent myself, so I know how important this topic is. I have two dogs at home, uh, a, a Shih Tzu pit bull mix named Arya and a beagle named Bubblegum and also a cat named Jack. So this topic oh. is definitely important to them. <laughs> um, but second, you know, at Purina, we really believe that pets and people are better together. And my role really focuses on the pet side of that relationship and ensuring that our pets are living their best lives. So this topic is important because it really has the opportunity to disrupt a lot of pets' lives and as a result, potentially the bond that they have with their people. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to share some information that could help make this transition as smooth as possible for everybody involved. Awesome. We're so glad you're with us. And I just shared, I, I was on a plane reading a magazine and there was a double spread article on Dr. Annie and all of the incredible scientists at Nestle Purina. Uh, and I was just like so excited. I, I feel like I have a celebrity in our midst today. So <laughs> we're so glad you're here. All right. So, Brad, why join us today? Yeah. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm, I'm so happy to be here and participate in the discussion. Uh, the topic is important to me, uh, mostly because I love pets. Um, no. Personally, I have two dogs, Jack and Georgie, both came from the local Humane Society over the last couple of years, well, and they worked right alongside me at home for the last year and a half, uh, and they've certainly been spoiled along the way, and as our work lives evolve, it will be a, it will be a big change, but hopefully we can talk through some of that today. And then professionally, I've made my way over to the pet industry in the last yeah. few months, coming from the toy industry, an equally fun uh, business. Uh, so yeah. I, I've had some fun along the way. Um, I'm the senior merchandising director of pets at Walmart. And, you know, we just think a lot about how to make pet ownership easier and fun and stress-free and probably most importantly uh, for us very affordable and right. so uh, talking through that today will be will be fun and just to just to mention really quickly as I was getting ready for the podcast I was listening to some of the previous uh, ones you've had and I thought it would be funny to call out 
a week or two ago, you did one around parenting kids. And I was kind of laughing to myself. I'm like, you could literally insert dog or cat into a lot of the same context and conversations. I know. You know? Oh my goodness. I know. I know. No, it, it, you know what? It just kind of struck me, you know, cause quite honestly, full transparency, like I've, you know, struggled with it, you know, both with my human kids as well as my fur babies. And so I'm, I'm selfishly going to glean all sorts of great advice from all of you today. That's too. right. Yeah. Pets are family. So there are kids are. too. Absolutely. Um, so Lily, why join us Hello. today? <laughs> I know, I know. So in contrast to Brad and Annie, you do not hear pet in my job title and my job description at all. Although I wish I would, I would love for it too. Um, but I'm here to provide perspective as a new fur parent. Yep. I, um, I got Lou about nine months ago. Lou is a Bernadoodle, male Bernadoodle. And despite the fact that you don't see pet in my job description anywhere, working from home makes it very much so that pet, dog, cat, you name it, is a part of your job (laughs) because it is showing up just like kids. And I'm sure you talked about this in in your last episode that Brad was mentioning, but your animal, your child is showing up in your Zoom meetings, right? You are taking a call at the dog park because that was the only time you could get the dog out there. So again, despite the fact that pet might not be in my job description, My fur baby is very much so ingrained into my work life and uh, vice versa. And he has to fit into uh, everything as well. So happy to be here to provide a little bit of a unique perspective on that. And I, uh, just so everybody knows, I have gotten to meet Lou on Zoom and he is a handsome devil. Well, and I do want to say, I do want to say that it sounds like most of us here all fall in that kind of category five that you mentioned, that fur parent. Um, I will, I want to be clear that Lou is not allowed on the bed, but as Sarah did see, I do even have a sweatshirt with Lou's face on it. That's how handsome he is. I meant to wear it. Um, but that's how much of a fur parent I am. It, it, well, and, and Etsy, we're going to plug Etsy. You got it from Etsy, right? And it's, I it's sure the did. cutest little caricature of Lou. And then it says Lou and it, it, yeah, I was I was in my closet earlier and I was frantically trying to find my, I'm only going to talk to my dogs today t-shirt and I couldn't find it. But yeah. Oh, I have that collection, that full collection. Be real. It was dirty from you wearing it every other day this week. I know. I know. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So, um, so Dr. Annie, um, let's kick it off here with you. Set the stage for, you know, what has unfolded over the past two years, um, you know, when it comes to pets, when it comes to the the rescue shelters, it, it like there's, you know, there's there's joy and there's tragedy and the, it, it just share with us, you know, frame from whence we've come to where we're at. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the past 18 months have been interesting, to say the least, uh, in the lives of all of us, and that includes our pets. The good thing that came out of that, kind of the silver lining, was that a lot of pets were fostered and adopted across the country during the pandemic. Um, And that that makes sense because there's really been no other time in history when adopting a new pet could come with having the entire family home consistently for weeks and even months for some people. And as they were welcomed into their new homes, they got 24-7 attention and time together. And this has been great for helping to build that strong bond, that strong foundation with our pets. But as a pet behavior scientist, from that perspective, it is going to start causing bigger challenges going forward for pets and their owners as we start to transition back to a more normal life. Uh, And in particular, I'm really concerned with separation anxiety, first and foremost. Um, And that's going to be particularly true for puppies and kittens who were adopted during the pandemic, who literally, they've never seen a world without their people home all the time. So transitioning them is going to take a lot more time and a lot more patience. That said, even older pets who used to you know, be well adapted to people going to work, um, they've become accustomed to the new routine. So they're going to need some time to reset as well. 
just as it's going to yeah. take time to reestablish routines and boundaries for ourselves as we go back to an office setting more regularly. Yeah, and it was it, it we had prepared for our show, and and Dr. Annie was joined by a couple of the other incredible you know leaders from Nestle Purina, and what was educational for me was I'd read you know, an article here or there, probably more dramatically positioned, but, you know, people, you know, returning their rescues back to the shelters and your team had educated me to say, that's not necessarily happening, but the shelters are full um, because there were two things, right? There wasn't the ability to keep up the spaying and neutering that we probably should do to keep the community at a healthy population for both cats and dogs. And then secondarily, a lot of the the natural disasters that have been happening, like the hurricane in the South. And so, you know, my my plea to everybody listening, hey, if you're thinking you now want a dog or cat, um, the shelters are full and brimming. And um and tell us about your 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 pet finder. Um because that yeah. you can use that to help find a pet. Absolutely. PetFinder is a website, PetFinder.com. And you can go on there and we have a new PetFinder tool. So you fill out stuff about you and your household and then stuff about your ideal pet and what you're looking for. And it helps to match you with pets that are in your area that are adoptable and would make a great fit for your home. So that is definitely a great option um, for those who are still looking to add a new pet to their house. Absolutely. And and Lily, you'd shared a, a little bit about how it was a juggling exercise. Um, thank you for sharing that because it's always, I know our listeners always love to hear real stories. <laughs> so it validates, yep, everybody's lives are crazy. Um, Brad, how about you? What were some of the, the challenges you had? And uh, it, was, it was Jack and Georgie, right? Jack and Georgie, that's right. Yeah. And I think we used PetFinder for one of them, actually. So it is such a great tool. Um, but yeah, what comes to mind for me is I think, you know, for good or bad, the last year integrated all aspects of our lives more than ever. So if you think about either work or school or parenting or having yeah. uh, a pet as a kid, you know, all of those things became one and kind of the lines were blurred a little bit. So in my case, uh, my dogs became my co-workers and uh, like I mentioned, kind of worked right alongside me. I uh, I can't count the number of times on a Zoom that you hear either a dog barking in the background or a cat crawling across the keyboard and yeah. uh, you can't help but smile, but it, it personalizes the experience of work and, you know, you get a little peek into everybody's lives and that uh, I think brings you uh, kind of closer as coworkers as well. Um, as I was thinking through it too, I mean, the call out Annie had around separation anxiety is such a good one. I think, you know, I, I certainly am personally thinking about that with my dogs. Uh, but I also uh, kind of thought it was funny, like, I might be the one with separation anxiety. It's like what the dogs bring to our Absolutely. lives, you know, is so important. And they bring so much joy to the to humans that there's also this aspect of, you know, we might be going through some anxiety as we uh, change our, our ways and, and uh, ways of working and kind of get back to the office more. So I think it will just be really important to keep some flexibility there. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that later, but that's yeah. kind of what's on my mind is how do I, even if I start going into the office more and working at different places, how do I keep some flexibility to make sure I take time out of my day to go check on my dogs and see them yeah. and maybe have coffee outside with them in the mornings and things like that, that you would do with your kids and your family. And so uh, that's one thing that I'll, I'll try to keep on my schedule for sure. Well, and we, I know we've, uh, my husband's discovered the beauty of the ring camera. Yeah. <laughs> now we brought him in first because we had a teenage son who, I don't know, just like to sneak out in the middle of the night. And <laughs> so we had to stop that, <laughs> but then we've now shifted them over to our docks, you know, since, 
you know, Eli's gone away to college. It's um, we use them now to watch our dogs when we're, you know, out and about maybe to dinner or away for the afternoon. And so to your point, yeah, we're going to get into that in the second half. Um, Dr. Annie's going to give us some great tips. Um, Lily. Yeah, share more, share more of like bringing Lou in and having to juggle job and everything else and Lou and um, I think I'll reiterate a little bit of what Brad and Annie has spoken to the the whole situation is a blessing and a curse because the catalyst I would argue for my husband and I deciding finally we're going to get a dog was we felt like we would be able to have the time to really train him, be with him, learn from him and him from us. And so, you know, on the back end here, we're talking about the separation anxiety, which is very real, but on the front end, it felt very much so like the best case scenario, because all that time enabled you to get through a lot of the hurdles that you, you wouldn't, if you were Mm -hmm. out all the time. And one of the things I'd be so curious to learn more about from Annie is, is, are there a lot of people that are interested do we think interested in getting a cat dog otherwise that because we're at this kind of point of inflection, some people are back in the office. Some people aren't. I know for me, not really clear on when I'm going back and what that schedule will look like. And I have my own anxieties about what that means for Lou and (laughs) figure out his schedule, but are people kind of taking a pause and saying, well, I need to wait and see how everything else pans out because I'm neither here nor there. I'm neither in shelter in place or mm-hmm. fully back into my new routine. And I don't know what it will look like. Is that also creating this kind of tension of, you know, the shelters being full and needing homes, but humans, many of which that might holding really want back. a pet are holding back. Yeah. 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 Dr. Annie. I'm not sure that there's any, any data on that. Unfortunately, this is kind of an understudied space in my opinion, but that definitely makes sense to me. Um, Pets are fantastic, but they bring transition in and of themselves. So it, it would make sense to me not wanting to add kind of another layer of that kind of stress on top of everything else that that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. That definitely Lily resonated with me. The, our second dog that we adopted was right at the beginning of quarantine. And that went into the decision, you know, I was going to be home. We were going to be able to train the dog. It was a high anxiety dog that needed a lot of attention. And it made it so much easier that we were around all the time to, to help him through that and, and get him trained. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I do agree that people are thinking the opposite now. And so again, maybe there's some tools and resources to kind of help think through that, even if you're not at home the whole time. Yeah. And even just the, you know, growing your pet family, right? Like managing the integration of a second or third, you know, cat or dog. And, um, you know, we've done that twice now. It, and it, But here's the amazing thing. It's totally manageable. Like you, if you do it in a very thoughtful and strategic way, and, and, and I see Dr. Annie shaking her head, we've all got our videos on here. Um, Absolutely. Just, right. You just have to take your time, give everybody their space. And, you know, I think everyone always wants to rush and see like, oh, let's see them, you know, cuddle and play. And yet, yeah, no. <laughs> and, right? you know, I think, yes, it can be stressful, but the fact is that pets, you know, there's a lot of studies on this. They ultimately reduce our stress and bring a lot of great things to our lives. So I think that's a reason to continue to adopt, especially during this period of of transition and uncertainty. Yeah. And it's, and it's as easy as I I know in both cases, um, we're, we're fortunate we've, we've got enough space, but we, you know, and enough gates, <laughs> bought all the baby gates, right? And you put the baby gate up and you keep one in one room and one in the other for at least the first couple of weeks and slowly, you know, introduce and and then it's magic, you know, from there on out. But uh, yeah, well, hey, this is a natural break point. Um, we're just going to take a short commercial break, but don't leave us because now we're going to shift into all the great advice and tips that... Um, Dr. Annie, Nestle Perina, and Walmart can provide to all of our fair, our fur parents 
I want to thank everybody who's been listening along so far to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. Just you, you can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI Solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Dr. Annie Valeska, PhD, Senior Scientist at Nestle Purina, Brad Bedwell, Senior Merchandising Director of Pets for Walmart, and Lily Volker, Associate Brand Manager Marketing for PepsiCo and Quaker. In today's show, we are discussing how fur parents can best navigate this transition back into the hybrid world and into the office and manage this transition for their fur babies. So let's talk about some best practices. Now, um, Brad, um, what is... um, Actually, I'm going to shift over here to um, Dr. Annie. Actually, let's start with you, Dr. Annie. Um, What is it that Nestle Purina is doing for their employees and for their customers um, to support their fur parents during this challenging time? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest advantages that we have at Purina is that our campus is pet friendly. 
So, so you have, fun. I love yes, that. It is amazing. <laughs> so as long as you, your pets, your cat or dogs are vaccinated and play well with other pets and people, they can come to work with you. Um, so this is fantastic. It makes for a great working environment being in the office, but um, it's not a perfect fit for, for every dog, especially. Um, right. I, for example, I, I have one, Arya. She does not like coming to work. So it's really important um, to think about the experience through the pet's eyes and consider making accommodations for them based on their temperament. So in my case, Arya goes to doggy daycare. Um, sometimes I have a pet sitter drop in to take her for a walk. Um, you could work with your neighbors to check in on their pets or even, you know, Purina is very flexible about letting me go home over lunch to, to check on her if I want to. So um, that's that's been great. And then uh, we have... A website, purina.com slash expertise, that has a ton of articles that the other behaviorists and experts and I have contributed to, and that's available to our employees and the public um, to help with specific topics that are really relevant to trying to help people uh, make their pets' lives the happiest while they're going back to work. Yeah, it, it, uh, um, Lily, I loved how you, you chimed in there too. I have had the pleasure of getting to visit that incredible campus. And it, 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 it's like, it's fantastic. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Beautiful parks, um, cookies, as I call them, on every desk for both cats oh. and for dogs. And yeah, it's, um, it just, it's like, as you said earlier, Dr. Annie, you know, our, our pets are part of our families. They're part of our identities, right? And they de-stress us. You know, they bring a whole um, element of unconditional love into our lives. And to be able to bring that into work um, is just, it's its such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I think that it's impressive, Annie. You know, I think many people, when they think about dogs in the office, probably imagine, or at least I do, a, a startup company, you know, in Silicon Valley. And, you know, of course, dogs are in the office. But to have such a large company lean in in that way and say, we can continue to operate efficiently, effectively, productively yeah. uh, with our with our fur babies by our side is extremely impressive on that scale. When you think about, like Sarah's noting, it's a massive campus. And, you know, I think it's impressive that there's there's companies breaking the barriers with that sort of integration of of personal and professional. I completely agree. And what impresses me so much about Purina's campus is that it's not just a human building that pets are allowed in. They've made so many accommodations to make it truly pet friendly. We have you know these beautiful dog parks and the safety drills we practice include making sure we can get the pets out and that there's signage about where the pets are if wow. need be. So just little things like that that make such a big difference and and like I, I keep you know really trying to hit home, make the pets as happy as the people are. Yeah. Absolutely. No. And, and I think too, um, Dr. Annie, on your site, aren't there materials that if you're like, hey, I want to go to my company now and make this happen, there are materials on your site, right? Can yes. You plug that, can you plug that URL for us? Because we want to get all these people to go back to their companies and say, let us bring our fur babies in. You know, I don't have the URL off the top of my head, but it, if you Google Purina Pets at Work Toolkit, um, it should we'll pop post right it. up. We are, in, in, in fact, we're going to post it, everybody, um, when we um, share the podcast on newonline.org. So we'll make sure to get that information out to everybody. Okay, so Brad, shifting to you, um, would would love to hear what, you know, Walmart is doing um, these days. I know that, you know, they, they are a great partner to Nestle Purina as well. Um, and in fact, up oh, and you know what, I think we might be having some technical challenges with Brad. Um, but let's move to this next topic here, um, Dr. Annie. Um, I had discovered this in researching for our show, um, the Purple Leash. Tell us a little bit more about the Purple Leash project yes. and initiative. Uh, this is one of my favorite projects at Purina. Um, it is an initiative to work on keeping pets and people together. 
uh, including survivors of domestic violence. Um, a staggering number of victims of domestic violence stay in those relationships in part because they don't want to leave their pets behind. And unfortunately, that's due to the fact that many shelters in this country do not allow survivors to bring their pets with them. So the goal of the Purple Leash Project is to make more shelters pet friendly and allow survivors to leave those abusive situations and bring their family members, their entire family, including their pets um, with them to safety. Wow. Wow. And wow. I, I know. Right. Lily, I, I, when I had read about it and, and I know that um, Walmart and, 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 and Brad is back. Thank you, Brad. God, we, we love technology until we don't. Right. Oh my goodness. Yes, that's right. This I is, know. <laughs> no, so thank you for being so tenacious. Um, because it would have, like, I want to hear all the great stuff that Walmart's doing. But Brad, I know that this is a perfect segue in that Walmart is exploring how they can support this incredible project as well, right? Yeah, that's a, that's absolutely right. We're really excited about the the Purple Leash project. So we kicked off some initial conversations on what that looks like in terms of a partnership and. I'm very excited to move that along and, and figure out what we do together. That'll be great. Awesome. So tell us more about some of the things that Walmart is doing to support their employees who are for parents and then as equally important, your customers. Sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of things. Uh, when I think about kind of uh, our work life evolving and, and what's happening there, uh, we talk a lot about just keeping things very flexible. You know, again, I think we talked about earlier that pets are family. And if we all believe that to be true, then uh, our ways of working will change around them. And so think about just being really flexible and being able to get the pet settled early in the day, take lunch breaks, head home, check on them, uh, maybe take an afternoon still working from home, Mm -hmm. things like that. But keeping a really hybrid approach to work and making sure that uh, leaders really understand that, you know, if if employees or associates have pets, then they're like their kids and, and need to be accommodated just the same. And I'm really proud yeah. that uh, the company has that perspective for, for fur parents. And then from a customer perspective, there's, there's a lot happening. Uh, one thing that comes to mind for me is really around uh, making it really affordable for pet parents. I think that's one of the biggest stressors and, and surprises is how expensive it can be to own a pet. I mean, holy cow, I think it's just, it's just incredible all the things you need to take care of them. And so, you know, one of our missions is really to make sure that we bring the cost down of owning a pet and make it really affordable. And I think that will help take a lot of the stress away. Um, and then the other thing I think about is, if you're concerned, you know, leaving your pet at home and have to transition back to uh, back to the office, there's some really great products out there that can help you that. So, you know, I think, Sarah, you mentioned earlier, too, about, you know, if you need to watch them while they're away, there are some really great pet cameras that can help you there. If the pet has high anxiety, there's so much newness in treats and, uh, and treats that provide a, a calming to the pet. Uh, if you have a cat, I would certainly recommend some cat scratchers because that's exactly what they will do, and that will Ooh, that will prevent yeah. them from scratching up your couch all the time, right? Um, and then you know if they, of course, tend to get into little trouble or if they're mischievous while you're gone, uh, there are some great interactive toys and things like that. And then you know that that reminds me too is that a really fun category that I think you'll, you'll like to hear about is uh, a growing category is around pet travel and carriers because people are taking their pets with them everywhere they go. Absolutely. And so, um, so outfitting yourself in the right carrier or, or whatever you need to take them with you. And a lot of offices will even allow pets in there with you now, but having a plan for that will make it a little more fun. And and all of these great products can be found at walmart.com, right? That's right. Absolutely. Excellent. I see Lily. I will have to be on the lookout because I will tell you, you know, 
in the first half of the show, we were talking about the dualism of the separation anxiety. We, we fear that our dogs who are so used to their parents being home are going to have yeah. separation anxiety. And I have separation anxiety about leaving my fur baby too, right? And Absolutely. I think that um, trying to figure out that game plan for when I do return to the office is going to be really important and is something giving me a lot of stress, not just um, from the separation anxiety piece, but as Brad mentioned, you know, it's a whole new financial stream, right? Whole new cost to add to the monthly budget. Um, where's the right place to take my dog? What's Who's the right person for the job? And right. so um, making that transition is going to be, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, it's like, hey, you know, do we advocate the opportunity to bring our fur babies in? Um, pet insurance, the other, like I, I remember reading in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks back that that's one of the newer benefits now because so many people have brought, you know, fur babies into their lives. So another thing as a leader or as an organization, you can advocate for or provide to help, um, you know, mitigate, you know, some of that expense. Um, let's shift to then the advice and the tips Dr. Annie, how do we how do we manage the separation anxiety? Because it is real. We were um, my my husband and daughter and I went to visit our sons for Parents Weekend, and my my daughter is a new pet owner. Bean is nine months, and oh my goodness, she was mis- missing her like the Dickens the whole time. So help guide us through this process. You know, what do we start to do ourselves, and then our pets. Yes. So uh, from the pet's perspective, the best piece of of advice I can give you is to start that transition now. I know it's tempting to kind of hold on to this new normal for as long as possible. Uh, You know, speaking personally, I don't wear pants with waistbands anymore. Like that's going to be a tough Uh, transition. Absolutely. I I should be starting that now before I absolutely have to. And the same is true for your pets. So just small bursts of time apart, you know, if you're, if you have a dog that gets anxious about 10 minutes of you being gone, start with five, you know, really you cannot start Mm -hmm. too small, but you want to do that now so that you can gradually build up to the full amount of time that the pet is going to be alone. And you can do that gradually enough that they'll be okay with it. And even better if they're happy about it. So that's the second piece of advice is to try to make that time apart as appealing as possible. A lot of dogs love a crate. I know people tend to look at them and think, oh, it's, it's a cage. But dogs really like having their own space. Um, some it. dogs, mm-hmm. yes, mine, mine too. They love it. They spend time in there on their own. And that's the kind of relationship you want to be able to build. So if they have a crate or a favorite spot on the couch, uh, you know, give them a really comfortable bed. Have some special treats that they only get when you're about to leave leave a a favorite toy in there, put on dog TV or classical music. If your dog likes it, you know, every, every dog is different. So you're, you're going to need to adjust for what they like best, but try to make that time apart as fun for them as possible and start now. The third piece of advice is to create a new routine. And I, I think when I say routine, a lot of people think about their routine. So when do I need to feed the pets? When do I scoop the litter box? When do I take the dogs for a walk? And those are great. You're absolutely going to need to transition those pieces as well. But I really encourage people to think like a pet. Their days involve a lot more than just the food and the walks. And so you need to think like your cat or dog and find some new touch points of their day, like maybe a car ride that they're going to be taking if you're going to doggy daycare. Uh, maybe it's mm-hmm. a focused playtime or a time when they get a specific treat, maybe a, a dental treat, for example. Um, so find some new places where you can start to, to shift that routine for them as well. The more touch points you can find to start to transition to the, the routine they'll be on when you're back at work, the easier that's going to be for them. And then... Finally, just please be patient. Uh, this whole journey is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, so it's really important to try to not get too frustrated and to really make space to celebrate those 
wins. You know, if, if today your pet can go 10 minutes instead of five before they start whining, that's a win. Celebrate that. Right. Um, and pets really can sense our frustration. We are so important to them and they're always reading us and trying to communicate with us and picking up on our moods. And if they're sensing that you're getting frustrated, that's going to make it worse. So as you're working on something that can be challenging, like separation anxiety, make extra sure that you're going to be carving out time to keep doing what you and your pet enjoy most, like games of fetch or just focused snuggle time to ensure that you're protecting that bond as you work through this together. So, so two questions. One, in the case of dogs, if this is the first time you're going to have to crate train, how do you go about that? How do you make sure it's the right size crate? Um, you know, because when you're home, you don't necessarily have to do that. And, and not everybody has embraced it or, or sustains it. I'm, I'm one of those pet parents that didn't sustain it. And now I'm wishing I had. But how do you go about doing that? So in terms of size, the crate probably should be smaller than you think. They basically need to be able to go in, stand up, turn around in a full circle and lay down fully stretched out comfortably. If they can do that, the crate is the right size. And if you get a crate that's too big, like taking up, you know, a quarter of your room or something, uh, that kind of negates the purpose of the crate. It's no longer a confined space where they feel safe. So absolutely getting the right size is important. Um, determining whether your pet wants a covered crate or not is another important step. Um, you can That can be as simple as a blanket, as long as you have a, a dog that won't chew on, on the blanket or anything like that to, to create a safety hazard. But once you've got the crate, the next step is to making sure that the pet thinks that's an attractive, fun place to be. So the easiest way to most dogs' hearts is food. So if you can start feeding the pets all of their meals in the crate or giving them their favorite treat in the mm-hmm. crate and only the crate, that's going to be a great first step uh, toward getting them to, to like being in there. How about cats? My second question. They're, they're typically, at least my experience with my cat of 18 years, she was absolutely far more independent. <laughs> but is there any special transitioning approach that needs to be taken with cats? I think the same advice applies to cats. Um, you know, they may, they're likely going to find the change stressful and it may be in a different way than dogs do, but you still want to be mindful of that. You still want to make sure that you're starting now and and adjusting all those time points of the routine. And for cats in particular, I would say, make sure that you're keeping an eye on them and not just assuming that they're going to be fine with it, but actually really pay attention to their behaviors and what they're trying to tell you and, and make sure that they're coping as well as you hope they will. And I know too, when we all got together, I, I can't remember who's brilliant idea or comment it was. So forgive me, it was um, Lily or Brad, but you talked about, hey, you know, uh, you know, coordinate with family members, coordinate with neighbors, you know, you can do kind of like a a circle, you know, (laughs) of, you know, pitching in for each other, particularly if you're not, you know, traveling or having to go into the office five days a week, you can take turns. Um, And then there are great new services out there, right? So like your WAG and and your rover. Although I have to say this, um, Dr. Annie, question for you. I saw a horrible TikTok where a dog came back from Rover. Sorry, Rover, <laughs> but it was all bruised and hurt. And how do you how do you make sure you know you are getting top care? You know, if you're going into a doggy daycare or a rover or a wag for their services, how do you vet those types of opportunities? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's necessarily an easy answer for that. Um, The way that I personally do it is make sure that I actually know someone that has used the services of that particular provider um, before I hire them myself. So, you know, using the the next door or the neighborhood Facebook group or friends in the area, Purina is great for that because almost all of us are pet owners. So using using people that I trust uh, and their recommendations for those kinds of services is what I do. But I, I'm sure Lily and Brad may have their own methods for that too. Yeah, absolutely. I have it delved in. It's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm juggling that because there are pros and cons to both with 
with the rovers and the wags of the world, you might get a little bit more specialized care because it's an individual bringing in your dog, maybe another. Um, and pros of a facility is you assume at least that they have the experience, the space for dogs, the um, understanding of what they need when they need it. And um, so there's pros and cons to both. And it's hard to balance out which is right for you. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine, um, Brad, it like your local Walmart, right? Like if you go to the pet section at your local Walmart, you know, I know like in local pet stores, they have postings of, you know, dog walkers, but I, I would suggest going to your local Walmart as well and the team there that's, for any advice and guidance, right? right? And yeah. Yes, absolutely. And just, I would say asking a lot of questions, you know, again, kind of relating this back to taking your kid to school or kid to daycare, just asking a lot of questions and getting to know the individual that might be taking care of your pet. Uh, and building a relationship is probably my best advice. And then really quickly kind of tying back to the cat conversation is um, I mentioned it earlier, but, um, you know, cats can be a little mischievous and they definitely like to scratch. And so um, a lot of a lot of mistakes are made when you think that's bad behavior, but cats are scratchers. And so I think having a great plan around uh, cat furniture or scratching posts or things like that will definitely help uh, help that situation at home and alleviate a bit of that stress. Awesome. Oh, I want to thank all three of you. Like what a fun and informative conversation. And uh, just again, thank you. Cause I know your time is precious and I so appreciate your sharing it. Um, with us. I want to thank everybody who has listened in today. I know you have walked away with a ton of great advice. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and New the opportunity every week to share our voice and our stories and our mission with all of you. Um, so next week, join us because you're going to hear guidance on Conscious Language and Communication Styles for Female Leaders. To learn more about NEW and to listen to all of our podcasts, you can check us out at newonline.org. Again, huge, 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 huge favor before you leave us. We would love your thoughts on what types of topics you would love to hear us cover. We've got over 13,000 listeners now. Um, please reach out to me at connect at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.